We're so thankful for that. I want to welcome you, and I want to say I am so glad that you're here worshiping with us today, and I want to thank all of those who are watching online. And I want to do something that we haven't done in a long time. You know, we've got a lot of people here who are guests, and we've got people here who are looking and trying to find a church home. And you know what? You can imagine, maybe you remember what it felt like when you walked into this huge building, and you think, man, how could anybody ever get to know me in this place? Would you just take a moment, get out of your seats, and go find somebody you don't know, and just shake your hands and say, I'm glad you're here. Do that real quickly, would you? Doesn't it feel good to be able to do that again? Oh, wow. You know what's interesting about that is that as soon as I said that, there was just this roar that came up. It's like, you've got something to say this morning. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the opportunity because that means so much. And we've got, as I said, several people who are visiting and who are guests for the very first time, and we want to make them feel welcome. All right, so I want to ask you a question. I hope this isn't too personal, but let me, I'm going to fire away anyways. And here's my question for you this morning. So how many pairs of shoes do you have? A closet full? Maybe more? Okay, now I know that this is going to date me, but I just want you to know, when I grew up, I had two pairs of shoes. I had my play outside shoes, and I had my church shoes. That's all I had. Today... I have more shoes than I know what to do with. I'll be honest with you, okay? But I want to tell you something. I wear a size 15. You know what? You can't buy a size 15 just off of the shelves. You have to order them. But one of the things that I do is that whenever I go, and I'm always looking, and here's what happens. So the clerk will come up to me and say, can I help you? And I'm thinking, no, but I'm going to play the game anyways. And I'll say, okay, I'm looking for a size 15. Oh, we stop at 13. Hey, thanks a lot. But you know what? It's important to have a good pair of shoes, isn't it? These shoes that I have on right now, you know what? I feel like I'm walking on air. And when I find a good pair of shoes, you know what I do? I buy a second pair because I want to take care of them. And here's why I want you to know it's important. It's important the shoes that we wear, because it enables us to do what we're supposed to do. Think about this. You ever have a blister? You ever have a pebble in your shoe and how it drives you crazy? And if you don't take that pebble out, you know what happens? It causes you to stand still. It paralyzes you. And I want you to remember something. You know what Satan wants to do in your life more than anything? He wants to paralyze you. And you know how he does that? He puts fear in your life. I remember when I was growing up, between my eighth and ninth grade year, I grew six inches. Now, my poor mom and dad, there's no way that they could keep up with my feet, okay? And I can remember going to church with my toes curled under. And you know what? That wasn't fun. And you can't walk, you can't run, and I couldn't wait to get, get home and take off those shoes. Do you remember when Moses was sent by God into Egypt? And remember all of the plagues came, and then afterwards the Egyptians released the Hebrews. Do you remember what God told them to do? God told Moses, I want you to grab the Hebrews, 
and I want you to bring them, and I want you them to worship me here at Mount Sinai. So Moses went, and he brought the Hebrews out to worship God at Mount Sinai. Do you know what the Egyptians, or excuse me, what the Hebrews had to travel through on the way to Mount Sinai? It was a desert. It was a wilderness. Remember, God wanted to rid them of their, their independence. He wanted them to be dependent on him and interdependent upon one another. You know what you find in the desert? Rocks, pebbles, thistles, stickers, bushes, sharp objects. If you don't have a good pair of shoes, it's going to be very difficult for you to walk. You know, one of my favorite miracles that God did in the Bible happened in the Old Testament, and it has to do with this story. Take a look at this. Yet the Lord says, during the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out nor did the sandals on your feet. Ladies and gentlemen, I want a pair of them shoes. <laughs> Have you ever had a pair of shoes that lasted 40 years? And remember what I told you. God's desire for us is to be interdependent. God's desire for us, in fact, he describes our life with him as a walk of faith. In other words, God wants us to keep moving. But if we don't have the right shoes, it can not only impede us and paralyze us, but it can cause us to be eliminated from the game. Today, we're going to focus on the third piece of armor the shoes of the gospel of peace. Would you please stand with me out of respect for God's word? As I read from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Today, we're going to pray this prayer together, and I'm going to put it on the screen for you. And today, I want you to pray this prayer like you mean it, okay? Are you ready? Here we go. Father, today I claim victory over Satan 
by putting on the whole armor of God, which you have given me, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. By faith, I am prepared to live this day in spiritual victory. In Jesus' name, amen. You can sit down if you can. All right, now I hope after you read that, that there's a little bit of a jump in your step. Maybe there's a little buzz underneath your backside. But I want you to know that what we're talking about today is critical because I don't know anybody in this world that doesn't want peace. Do you? The whole world is looking for peace. Right now, there are people scrambling, trying to find the peace that relieves them of what they're going through, the difficulties that they're going through. But you and I both know that the ways and the things that they're looking at will never give them the peace that they're looking for, right? But you know what? I know that there's people in here today that are looking for that same peace. I know there are people in this room here that are going through some pretty tough storms. In fact, you might call them hurricanes. And I know that you are desperately looking for how you can find peace in the midst of the storm. Well, before we get there, we need to review a little bit, okay? We need to review the fact that we're in a series called The Armor of God, and we're looking at the six pieces of armor that God gives us. And may I suggest to you once again, my dear friends in Christ, this is all you need. If you have this, you need nothing else. And remember that it's not just that you have these pieces of armor, but you put them on in the right order. And the first one is truth. It's the belt of truth. It's that which holds everything together. It surrounds your core. For the Roman soldier, it held his sword in place. It attached his breastplate. He was able to touch his, tuck his tunic in, so he was ready and prepared for battle. And the same thing is true in our lives. This morning, did you put on your belt of truth? What is truth? Thanks for asking. It's God's view on any subject first. It's God's view on any subject first. And you know why truth is important? Because the Bible tells us that truth dispels the lies of Satan, right? So what do we do? We get up in the morning, we put on the belt of truth, and we know what truth is. Truth is a person. His name is Jesus. In fact, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. My friends, if you have truth and you know what truth is, then you can take the next step, which is the breastplate of righteousness. If you know what truth is, now you know what to do, right? Righteousness is doing the right thing. And we talked last week about that it's not just our position of righteousness, we have that, but it's living a life of righteousness, of doing the right thing. If I know what truth is, now I know what is right and wrong, and I can choose to do the right thing. That's righteousness. And now we come to the third piece of armor. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We're talking about the shoes, the gospel of peace, the good news that God has called us to take to the rest of the world. So how does this all work together? Here's how it works together. When you know truth, you have a standard. When you know what truth is, you know what it is you're supposed to do. Well, where does peace come in? Peace is the comfort that you and I receive when we know we're doing what God has called us to do. 
I can't tell you how many times people will come to me and say, Pastor Bob, how do I know? How do I know that I'm doing the right thing? It's simple. When you know what truth is and you choose to do the right thing, you know you're doing the right thing with the comfort of peace. Well, let's talk a little bit about this Roman soldier, okay? We know that Paul is writing this this prison letter, and he's in prison, and there's Roman soldiers around him. But I want to tell you about the shoes of a Roman soldier. They were sandals. They had a top and they had a bottom. But these sandals had these, these ropes, they had these cords that would wrap around the shin all the way to just under the knee. And you know what the purpose of this was? When the soldier would wrap these cords, these these ropes around the ankle and all the way up to the shin, they would tie them and bound them as tight as they can. How many of you have grandchildren? When you tie their shoes, what do you do? You tie them first tight, right? What's the second thing you do? You tie them in a double knot, right? Oh, I hate those things. Why do you do that? So that their shoe won't come off, right? You see, what the Roman soldier would do is he would tie these shoes and bind them so tight that the shoes felt like they were a part of the foot. And isn't what you, that what you want from your shoes? They should fit you so well that you don't even notice they're there. And that's what the Roman soldier did. Now, we also know what the Roman soldier had on the bottom of the shoes, right? Nails. They were called hobnails. And the purpose of these hobnails was to give them sure-footedness. In other words, when they would dig their, their shoes, they would dig these nails, these hobnails, into the surface, and it would hold them in place. Now listen very carefully. You know what the purpose of peace is? To hold you in your place. When we were in Florida, we experienced our first hurricane. We didn't know what to do. People were boarding up their windows. What in the world is that? People were buying generators. They had all of these things preparing for the storm, and then the storm hit. The good news was is that it had kind of been downgraded to a tropical storm, but I saw all these palm trees in my yard go like this. And you know what happened? The wind and the rain went sideways. And it blew the palm tree sideways. But when the storm was gone, guess what happened? The palm trees stood straight up in the air. You know why? Because of their roots. Their roots roots were dug into the ground. And they were deep enough to no matter what the storm, no matter what was going up on top, guess what? These roots held firm. And that's what peace does in your life, my dear friends. It holds you in place no matter how hard the storm is pushing you. It holds you secure in your place. But there's one more piece of of equipment that the Roman soldier had. It was called the sleeve. For us, if you've had little children that play soccer, you would call them shin guards. And they would put this sleeve, and it would come up. It would cover these ropes, and it would come up just under the knee. And the purpose of it, obviously, was to protect the shin. 
You see, when they would march around, they would march around in really tough terrain where there were rocks, where there were thistles, where there were, where there were thickets, where there were all these things, and it could rip their, their shins apart. But because they had these shin guards, they could march secure, being held in place, and nothing was going to stop them. I want you to just think about this for a moment. Maybe it's you, maybe it's somebody else, somebody that's going through a a horrible storm. You know what we're wanting? We're looking for that individual who is in the midst of the storm, calm. There's a strength about them that you know comes from the inside. And that strength helps them stand firm and holds them in place, right? You want to see what that looks like? Look at this passage in the Bible. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Okay, this is the story of Stephen, remember? Stephen was this incredible preacher for God, and he was performing miracles, and the Spirit of the living God was working in him, and the world hated him, and they decided they were going to put him to death. Now, look what happens here. At this, they covered their ears, and yelling at the tops of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Now, I'm going to be really honest with you. The last thing I'm probably going to do is pray. I'm going to be picking up rocks and throwing them right back, right? But not Stephen. You see, this is what we want in the midst of death. Death is standing at his doorstep, and he's praying to God. Now, look at what he prays. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. My friends, that's the kind of peace that I want. Don't you? You see, right now, the world is looking for the wrong kind of peace, and they're looking in the wrong places. You see, all they want is something that is going to cover up the pain and the things that they're going through. And you know when they're looking, they're looking in a bottle. They're looking in a drug capsule. They're looking at something on a screen, but they're looking for anything that they possibly can find that can take this pain away. That's not the peace I'm talking about. Did you know that in the Bible, over 400 times the Bible mentions the word peace? You know what that tells me? Man, there are a lot of people that needed peace back in Jesus' day too. And that's true. Over 400 times Jesus talks about peace. But here's what I also want you to know. There's different kinds of peace. There's a peace with God and there's a peace of God. So let's look at that peace of God in Romans. Look at what it says here. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you have peace with God? You know what that means? That means that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. It means that you have placed your faith in him. And because you have placed your faith in him, there is no more hostility between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. You are at peace with God. We all have that. When you're a follower of Jesus, that's what you get. But that's not the peace we're talking about here. We're talking about peace in the midst of a storm. We're talking about that I can remain calm and be at peace no matter all of the things that are going on around me. You want to know the peace we're talking about? We're talking about the kind of peace 
that when Jesus got in the boat and they went out and they were in the middle of the storm and the waves, the water was coming over sides of the boat, what was Jesus doing? The Bible says he was sleeping. That's the peace that I want. Now take a look at this. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So there we find out right away it's a different kind of peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Look at this next verse. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You know what the Bible just told us there? It says no matter who you are, you're going to go through storms. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about what do we do when all hell breaks loose in our life? I don't care how good of a husband or how good of a wife you are, you're going to have storms in your marriage. You might as well expect it. You're going to do something that you thought you were doing something right, and you're going to find out you did it wrong, and he or she is going to be upset with you, and you don't have peace. You're going to deal with financial stuff. You're going to deal with loss of job stuff. You're going to deal with issues with your children, maybe in the way they're choosing to live their life or walking away from what you've taught them and how you've taught them and how you've raised them. You're going to live in storms where the doctor comes to you and gives you a diagnosis that you never saw coming. These storms are around us and they will happen to us, the Bible says. So my question is this, why do they come? Why do we have to go through storms? Why do we have to go through these tough times? Why do we have to go through the loss of a loved one? Why do we have to go through divorce? Why do we have to experience pain and suffering and all of these things? Why, why, why? Have you ever asked that question? Here's the answer. You know why we have to go through storms? You know why we go through suffering? You know why we go through difficult times? Because this is what Jesus wants us to know. That he is enough. Did you hear me? That he is enough. That when you have Jesus in your life, you have all you need. Jesus just wants you to know that the peace that he gives you is something bigger. It's something that you and the world can't understand. You know when you have it, and you know when you don't have it. I have a cousin of mine who's going through ALS right now. What a horrible, ugly disease. A year ago, we were golfing together. And now he's struggling even to talk. But when I'm around him, there's something in him that I see that sometimes I don't understand. But I recognize it. It's the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding, that guards his heart and mind in Christ Jesus. He knows the truth, and the truth is this. This world is not the end. He is an ambassador. His real home is in heaven. And because of that, his focus is on Jesus Christ. 
And because his focus is on Jesus Christ, he has the peace that goes beyond all understanding that guards his heart and mind in Christ Jesus. But because he has that peace, his family enjoys that same peace. So how do we get that peace? That's what we're really after, right? How do we get that peace? Well, let's see what the Scriptures tell us. Do not be anxious about anything. That word anxious means to be divided, to go in two different directions. If you're going in two opposite directions, you're a mess. Can I have an amen on that? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How do we get that peace? Let me ask you a question. What's your prayer life like? What's your prayer life like? Let me ask you this question. How do you feel when the only time you hear from that best friend is when he needs something? How do you feel when the only time your kids call you is when they need some money? How do you feel when the only time that your family needs, comes to you is when they need something from you? Now, I will tell you, I won't feel very good as a father or as a grandpa. So now let's change that to the relationship between you and I and God. Are you the kind of person that the only time you go to the Lord is when you need something? That you rush into his presence and then you turn around and you rush out? You know what the Bible tells us about how we should pray? In public, we should keep our prayers short, but in private, we should pray all day long. Good morning, Lord. I'm breathing. So it's been a good day so far. I'm about to get up. I'm hoping that Satan is just shivering in his boots. Lord, what do you have for me to do today? I didn't sleep very good last night. I have too much on my mind. I know I need to give those to you, but sometimes, Lord, you know I really struggle with that. So I don't know how you're going to do it, but Lord, would you just take that from me? I'm about to get up, and I'm going to go into your word. God, I need a word from you today. I need to hear something just from you that I will know that the God who created the universe loves me so much that you're going to give me a word this morning, and God, I'm not leaving my Bible until I get it. Lord, thank you for the quiet time. Oh, I enjoy that time with you. Now we can go out into the day together. And as you're driving, God, what a beautiful sunrise. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my job. Thank you for the problems that I'm going through because they make me always think about you. You see, when we do those kinds of things, even now you should be praying, Lord, what are you saying to me? What is it that you want me to hear? What is it that I can share? How do you want me to live? Spirit, where are you convicting me in my life? That's what God wants to hear from you. Look at what the Bible says about this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. I want to bring this thing to a close. I want to ask you a question. So tell me something. What do you spend your time thinking about? 
What do you spend your time thinking about? And the reason I ask you that is this is because whatever gets in gets lived out. You know that, right? Whatever gets in gets lived out. Look at what the Scriptures teach us here. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, pull it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Every thought that goes through our mind, we're supposed to take captive and we're supposed to give to the Lord. According to the Scriptures, the Scripture tells us that all of us have a choice in what we think about. Well, let me just try something here. I brought my phone with me. They didn't tell you because somebody would have called me. And what I want to do is I'm just going to go to one of the news channels, and I'm going to see what's on the news, okay? All right. Ukraine fears ramped up aggression after daughter of one, Putin's closest allies killed in bombing. Trump rips McConnell after leader warns. Uh, Cops arrest a man reportedly plotting mass shooting at me. Man wanted brutal. Wow. That was just the first four headlines. Does that make you feel in a good mood? I just came from watching the news, honey. I'm in a great mood. No, that's not what it is, is it? It's the opposite. So I did something on my vacation that I've never done before. You know what I did? I quit watching TV. I just quit watching TV. And you know what? In doing so, I learned the power and the practice of shutting off. I was a different man because I didn't have all this stuff pulling me down. I looked at the world a little bit different. And you know what? I saw good in mankind. Here's what I mean. Last week, we went up to Lawrence after church to spend some time with our grandkids to celebrate one of the birthdays. I'm so thankful that they're close enough to where we can go and do this, okay? During the day, my two, the two boys, Landon and Peyton, decided that they were going to sell lemonade. So they went out in the corridor, and they put a dollar a glass of lemonade. And I thought, this ain't going to last very long. <laughs> Three hours later, they came in with $55. <laughs> Isn't that right? You know what's even better? Then the girls saw they were doing, so they thought, we're going to sell Oreo cookies. (laughs) It was amazing. But here's what I tell you this. You know what I saw? I saw mankind seeing children and stopping on the corner and pouring into them, and we had some incredible conversations with people. That's what I'm going to focus on. All right, I want to wrap this up with this, okay? One last scripture verse. You keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. All right? Now, that perfect peace actually means peace, peace. Okay? In other words, God gives us this peace that we can't understand. It's a peace that goes beyond all understanding. But the question is, is how do we get it? It tells us right there. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. You want to know how you get that kind of peace? Your thoughts are directed towards your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Watch this. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. 
This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. All right, so I have a couple things that I have with me this morning. One of them is a bag of McDonald's that I had my breakfast in this morning, okay? The other one, there's nothing in there. The other one is I have God's Word, and here's what I want you to know. You are what you eat, right? Would you all agree with me? But here's the second thing I want you to know. You also, are what, you also do what you are. You are what you eat, but you also do what you are. Here's what I mean by that. If this is all I ate, every meal during the day, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to begin to look like McDonald's, right? <laughs> I'm going to gain a lot of fat. On top of that, I'm also going to become very sluggish. So because I eat what I eat, not only do I look what I eat, but I also do what I eat because I become very, very sluggish. The same is true in God's Word. This is my spiritual energy. And when I eat from God's Word, you know what happens? My spirit gets fed, and it's taken in through my heart. You see, when I eat of McDonald's, you know what happens? I begin to look like McDonald's. But when I eat of the spiritual world, guess what? I begin to look like that which is in the spiritual world. If I'm only eating what the world can give me, I'm going to think about things like lust and bitterness and worry and envy. But if I am eating from God's Word, I'm going to think about those things that are holy and those things that are of God. And when I think of those things that are holy and are of God, you know what's going to happen? God's going to use me to do the work of advancing His kingdom. And so my question for you today is this, my dear friend in Christ, what are you eating from? Jesus told His disciples and He told the listeners, you need to eat of my flesh You need to take my flesh in you because when you take my flesh in you, you take in my nature. And when you take in my nature, you begin to look like me. And the result is peace. If you want peace, if you're looking for peace, you have to guard against those that come to defeat your mind. And God tells us through His Word how we do it. It's spending time with Him. It's thinking about the things of God that are important, not of the world. And as we do that, we will experience peace, peace, unbelievable peace. If you don't have this kind of peace and you want to know more about how you can get this peace, and I'm not just talking about the peace of God, but beginning with the peace with God, then I want to encourage you right after the service to go out to our guest services there or to the starting point. We have some people who are there waiting for you. They'd love to visit with you. They'd love to talk to you about knowing more about how you get this peace with God. For the rest of us, that's how God wants us to live, to live in the belt of truth, doing the right thing with the breastplate of righteousness. And how do we know that? By living in God's peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Lord, for this incredible gift of peace 
that I enjoy. Thank you for in the midst of the storm that I have calm. And now, Lord, as I live this life, no matter what may come at me, I am firmly rooted in the Word of God. May I be the example to others that there is peace, perfect peace in the midst of the storm. And that peace comes from God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Would you stand? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Go in God's peace. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.